0: Welcome to The Knowing Podcast. We're here to talk about healing, about insight, about cultivating and living from our own internal wisdom, and about the intention to live beautifully and compassionately as a human being during these times. We're really happy you're here. Hello everyone, welcome back. Uh, this is The Knowing. I'm here, Siel, uh, with Allison. Hi, Allison. Hi hi everyone. We are sitting in the um highly intensive highly uh it feels a little bit like there's like a a ton of bricks kind of pushing down on me on all <laughs> sides right now, sort of intensity mm-hmm. of uh the eclipse that and then full moon and all sorts of craziness and obviously the intensity of everything that's going on in a social and cultural level and yeah it's it's so much right now. And you feeling this too, Allison? Yeah. I mean, it's, it's definitely heavy. It's, um,
1: mm, there, it's, it's heavy and it's confusing and there's a ton of information to process. Um, there's a ton of information to take in and there's a lot of really good and vibrant possibilities. So, I mean, that is also there, but I, I think that, um, that is not coming without a really forceful
0: challenge. Mm, totally. And, I mean, as most transformative processes tend to be, you know, they're, they're not, um, I read years ago that there's this, Sort of perspective in healing that, like, about ninety eight percent of the time, we only heal when it hurts so much that we have to. Quite honestly, I mean, there's a sort mm. of mechanism in most of our natures, all of our natures, to be energy conservative, right? And times of transformation are times of chaos, or times of chaos are times of transformation because of the intensity. Because it's like, okay, let's let's do something, you know? And and mm. it's beautiful, but man, so intense. And just feeling into like like how intensely everybody is f- seemingly feeling this right now right that's actually been something that I've been thinking about
1: a lot because it's like none of these problems are new and they're mm-hmm. in a way does feel like a newness in terms of acknowledgement of it even in like um from like a more Corporate stance that it's like Mm -hmm. I think that, and for whatever intentions people might be announcing it, that there has been this big call to acknowledge this like systemic oppression that's been going on for the entirety of this country's existence. Um, But I've been thinking about my own hesitance to really lean into this work, and it's like picking and choosing the small ways in which I feel comfortable to do it, but there's a lot of ways that I have ignored my own pain about it, ignored mm-hmm. greater pain about it, because it's like, you can one, only take so much so it feels, and then two, the, the big thing that has been coming up that it's just like, there's no wonder to me that we've all chosen to ignore this, Saying all in very general generalized mm-hmm. way, there's a lot of people who haven't, but I would say the vast majority of us have chosen to, in some way, uh, turn a blind eye to this. Is because it's like if we actually really look at it, then we'll have to do something about it, and that doing something about it is very uncomfortable. Comes with a lot of sadness, a lot of anger, and a lot of political work. Um, Because at the end of the day, it's like we have to get to policy change. And I know that that intimidates me because I don't consider myself a very politically minded person. And I think that a lot of people probably um, in spiritual communities tend to shy away from such polarizing conversations because Mm -hmm. there's so much uh, – I mean – you know because there's so much divisiveness in it it feels Mm -hmm. distractive in a way to spiritual leanings and so it's like really about calling to task like how is my being political actually a spiritual act because the Mm -hmm. intention is to help people to love people and make people feel safe which is really all we want
0: yeah Totally. Do you mind, Alison, if we give listeners just a little uh, background? Because I don't know Mm. everyone recognizes. I am a white person from Canada, born and raised in British Columbia. And Alison, if you want to introduce yourself. Yeah, I'm I'm, I'm
1: black. Uh, I am mixed race. I'm black and Armenian. I grew up in Seattle in a predominantly white area um so it's very oftentimes one of a few if not the only person of color and i have been in new york uh for about five years now so um yeah, yeah. I, I grew but the I, I do feel like it's necessary to say that the family that i grew up with um was all black people? My mom's black, mm. and I grew up with that side of my family. So culturally, I that has been my experience. Although I certainly have, um, you know, privilege, and there's layers there. Considering that I'm mixed and lighter skinned, and et cetera, mm. et cetera,
0: you know. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I just, you know, I, you and I, I so deeply appreciate our friendship and the connection that we have, and that sense of. You know, I love when we get like a little New York in the background. You know, it's like all of a sudden, just like
1: <laughs> it becomes real, <laughs> totally,
0: just in What's it, and then is? like I don't even no, notice it anymore. Oh, it's yeah, just like a oh, bird yeah. song to me. <laughs> uh, no, it's not. It's totally not like a bird song. <laughs> just kidding. But uh, you know, we've been we've been having conversations about race and about the complexities of, of what we are all experiencing, you know, as a collective and, and I mean, really having so many conversations in the last while, which has felt really great and, and Mm -hmm. complex and really like, I I mean, enlightening, but also it's like opening up a kind of Pandora's box. I think maybe what you're talking about there, Alison previously, and in just why we are complicit with the systems of oppression um, is because when you really open up, what's there? I mean, there is a fundamental call to a revisioning and complete overhaul of our like f- value system as a as a human populace, right? Like right. as individuals, you know, it's the the system change that is required is so exciting but so big so 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 big and we mm. we are you know we tend to do the the path of least resistance in most of the, our lives most of the time and again this is kind of biologically encoded into us but the call right now feels like and, and something that you'd brought forward Allison of like how do we move from yes policy needs to change and yes we do need to recognize what values need to shift but how do we get into the heart space you know of really feeling into what is being asked of right now you know and and not mm-hmm. not even and and not to diminish this as a challenge or as as something right happening right now but not even to do with race but like just our whole experience of uh, of being human beings like what where 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 are we how do we exist when we are coming from a hard space? like what what is that right? And right. It, I mean, I think I hope because of the the mutual respect that we have and understanding of like just how different our backgrounds are, like I feel like maybe going to the end point of like what we're all seeking as human beings and saying, how do we? How do we start practicing that as spiritual practitioners while also being involved with, you know, policy change and, and that kind of activism for sure? But how do we mm-hmm. keep centered in our heart even while there's this turmoil, right? Right. It's That's been the biggest challenge because
1: um, it, it does, at this moment in time, feel hard to navigate the anger and like, external Mm -hmm. anger, but also your like internal anger at it and also say like, you know, how do I take this anger and actually still be kind and use it well and Mm -hmm. um, I guess really like focus on like with clear intention where I put my energy towards Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Um, because I think that it's like, you know, we're all in varied states of trauma and I mean with the pandemic already uh, as a like traumatizing experience I think for all of us for many different reasons on a spectrum I think that this is also bringing up all of this like you know deep grieving of everything needs to change and we're so afraid of change.
0: Right and it's I mean often you know the the fear in shamanic perspectives, we, we talk about like the fear of taking the leap of like going into the unknown, you know, as we've sort of explored in previous episodes and part of the way that we cultivate the inner strength, the solidity, the alignment necessary to take the leap when we're, we're not we're not cultivating a sense of like, I know where I'm going to land. You know, I know what this is going to look like because we don't, we never do when we decide to change. And as you say, we are afraid of change. I mean, our our egos hate the unknown They they want certainty and they'll choose a certain horrible experience over uncertainty, you know, just about a hundred percent of the time. But it's about developing that inner strength to take the leap and to know that you're going to, you're going to, you know, be held in, in whatever experience is on the other side. But the inner strength from a shamanic practice, we we talk about these um, three tools that we use, you know, is gratitude, blessing, and compassion. That when we are, and it's not about getting rid of anger because we never, ever want to be doing or engaging with these practices as a means of squashing something that is vital and present in us, Right. But Mm -hmm. this is about, uh, in the Buddhist tradition, we talk about planting karmic seeds, right? Is that we are seeding our mind and our perspectives and our awareness with things that we want to experience more of. And we can do that and feel angry and and frustrated, uh, understandably, by the injustices and and horrible tyranny of the world at the same time, right? And it's it's maybe about, you've been really good, uh, well, uh, like I've just been amazed at your continuous calling of to all people to say are you taking care of yourself you know and are you centering and grounding yourself because we have to do that work when we're going through transformation otherwise it's like being in a in a tornado right and you don't know which way is up and it's like oh like how do i how do i navigate all of this stuff right Mm. yes is there space now you know i mean the space for gratitude space for compassion without feeling like it's like I mean, this isn't, again, it's not this override or bypassing practice. It's holding those two things at the same time and and widening the complexity of the human consciousness to recognize that we can do that. We can feel deeply grateful for the wind on our face at that moment, and then we can feel incredible grief and in fact the more this is this idea that we build this internal strength through practicing these things we become the receptive vehicle to all of these emotions that we haven't wanted to feel as a civilization as individuals right all of these emotions that we've been running away from that that motivate us to pillage the earth and and damage other people and you know treat our bodies like shit it's it's all because we don't want to feel these emotions but we can't run away from them anymore and this is this reckoning time that is so magical but like how do we remain strong as containers right and Mm. and make sure that this doesn't completely i mean and, and if it blows us apart then so be it but like as as individuals um and again from a shamanic lens This is why we seek medicine, is to say, can I be strong enough to take this leap and go into the unknown and trust that this, I mean, as Charles Eisenstein says, you know, a more beautiful world is waiting for us, but we're not really going to know what it looks like right now,
1: right?
0: Right.
1: And I think also... Patience, as I, we both know, is not necessarily my strong suit.
0: Um. I think you're you're getting. I mean, in in the how long have we known each other for four years? Four like, years. Yeah,
1: about that.
0: Yeah, I I mean, can you not sense though, like the muscle that's been created, right? Of like, yes. I I mean, in myself, is patience is a everyday practice, and I mean that my teacher would always say, like, this is the thing. This is this is what we are kind of addicted to as human beings always is this sense that we're in the wrong place or we should be doing something else or something else should be happening. Right. And, and I mean, you start from that place, you tend to perpetuate a lot of chaos, you know, to go, ah, like I, I should be, be further than I am right now or something. Right. Like
1: there's, there's not a
0: lot of space for equanimity and presence in there. Right.
1: So I I think that the hard part about patience in this moment is that it's like because, we really are recognizing the the depth of which we have been misled um, the depth of which we have misled ourselves and mm-hmm. and all the things that goes along with like really addressing this pain in this country but also the world is that it feels like we've got to do something fast to end it now because there is a sense of urgency. So it's like, and I Mm -hmm. I think that sense of urgency is accurate. Like I, I don't feel like that's misplaced, but it's kind of like, I think what's confusing to me, well not confusing, but I feel like where I'm having to really practice discernment is like, how do I know that this is a marathon and pace myself, but also know Mm. that I still need to be doing as much as I possibly can in this moment because we really don't have time to waste because of like the nature of like our election season. And you know what I mean? There isn't actually a lot of time to think right now um, in terms of like, you know, let me just sit back and wait. I think that we do have to make urgent choices.
0: Well, and I think that, that the sense of urgency you know, if you frame it that way and you see it as, as, as good, not as this tyrannical force of like, we have to get this done or else, you know, like there's, there's no threatening quality. I would, I would encourage like to not feel like a, or else sort of thing, but go, okay, the time is now do it now. Right. Like that as a practice is awesome you know to and I mean this is you know we've referenced non-dual teachers this is a lot of what they they offer is like okay well then then right now do it right now be you know uh, fully present to your life and fully loving right and and I mean obviously I know that like I'm not a non-dual teacher and and that's a teaching that they offer and and people go yes I want to do that and it's it's hard obviously to implement that but if we are feeling a sense of urgency to to what right now? You know, like I mean, clarifying mm-hmm. what is is that we feel urgency to do. What is it that we're trying to do? Well, that's a
1: good question. I think it's like there's an urgency to eradicate pain. I think there's an yeah. urgency to um, uh, apologize. I think that mm-hmm. there's an urgency to. Um, own up to our shortcomings. There's an mm-hmm. urgency to, to even um, share and acknowledge our pain. I know that's something that on a personal mm-hmm. level has come up a lot with this because I tend to eat a lot because I am in this position of like, um, I, the kind of inequity or, or racism I experience tends to be a lot more covert. Um, mm-hmm. I think it's harder to address because it's easy to just feel like, well, I may be taking that a little personally. I'm sure they didn't mean it or, mm. or um, that kind of like really kind of it's like a smoke almost where it's like this imperceptible. I know it doesn't feel right. So it's like I'm, I'm having a lot of really uncomfortable conversations where it's like, okay, I am choosing to share that like I'm not exempt from this pain, which mm-hmm. also... Um, there's there's a level of shame there because it's like I think especially growing up with a black mom and a black mom who was very political when she was my age in L.A. Um, and I think that there is an element that it's like that generation teaches probably all of us, it probably is not just specific to black people, but that it's like any kind of pain is weakness. And when you show weakness, people will take advantage of it. And when you haven't historically felt supported in expressing your pain, you just constantly shove it down. And so I think that it's like, uh, it can't be shoved down anymore. And so I think that something that you and I have talked about is like, Shame and shame on all sides of it. Um, and i and I think that that's a really hard one to deal with.
0: Mm-hmm. I mean, as a human experience, you know the the whole concept that we are all carrying this like ball that in the core of our being says there's something fundamentally wrong with you, you know, like you are not supposed to be this way, you know? And, and I mean, we've explored this as an idea and in sort of previous conversations that like, this is the, the sickness of, of whiteness, you know, is that like the, the sense of like, I am broken and rather than go into it because it, it's a horrible Absolutely, you know, destroying sensation to feel our shame. Right? Is it, mm-hmm. it? It feels like we're gonna bl- blow apart. Right? The, our whole. In a sense of security is, is you know lost completely when we move towards that pain and so what we do instead is inflict that pain on other people you know and I mean this is what white colonial settlers did across the entire planet was say I've got this pain I don't want to look at it I'm going to put it mm-hmm. somewhere else right and this mm-hmm. like projection this is what has sustained the, the neurosis of modern capitalist society for so long is just saying I don't want to feel this I need to go put it on animals or the earth Earth or other people, you know, anything that I deem is somehow below me, right? And it's, right. it's the, by no means am I using this as a and as an excuse, but it's like this is the reckoning of this moment is saying, how do we feel these pains and validate them? And I think still maintain awareness of the ultimate goal, which is that we all want to be seen and we all want to be valued. And the reality is that people of color indigenous people around the world, have been devalued for a very, very long time, right? Mm -hmm. And the reclamation of that is it has to happen for the well-being of the human body. For all of us to be okay, people of color need to feel like they are inherently valuable. And in fact, everybody needs to feel like they're inherently valuable. And I mean, to go back to the sense of urgency, Alison, you know, when I feel it, You and I talk a lot about Tonglen and the practice of that Tonglen on the spot, Pema Chodron says, you know, you're feeling pain, unite Mm -hmm. your pain with someone else's pain and say, may I relieve that person's pain right now by breathing it in, knowing my own strength to move towards pain. So I'm building this internal muscle to really navigate these things that we all don't want to go into, you know, Mm -hmm. and then send them out love and peace and kindness and and refreshing energy you know and to the best of my ability and like that if we're feeling urgency i'm, I'm doing it literally non-stop lately i am cooking dinner and I'm doing Tonglen and I'm cleaning my house and doing Tonglen because it's the way that I gain sanity. Like I I maintain a sense of like, okay, I'm doing something, right? Because yeah, we want to do something right now. Like, oh my God, fuck yeah. We need to be doing something, you know? And I am a rather political person. I sit on the local school board and I like being really like mental in terms of policy and everything. But like, I don't mean mental in a bad way. I can be a little bit (laughs) mental sometimes, but like more, like I like the conception of like okay we're at point a we want to go to b how do we get there you know like i love that stuff but not everybody's built that way and i recognize it but i also like if we feel this you know this sense of like, we need to do something. I think one of the fallacies of modern humans that really gets us, and especially when we're really entrenched and locked into social media, is this feeling that it has to be done in a certain way. You know, we have mm-hmm. to take action in a certain way. And yes, all of these actions, political, you know, third dimensional, fourth 4th dimensional, you know, like, let's expand how we can off- offer medicine, right? And mm-hmm. I mean, I I believe in this this conscious participation with the universe and i know that there is a significant body of evidence to suggest that that is absolutely accurate that our minds and our thoughts and our heart mind coherence is interacting with every being every you know thing in the entire phenomenological universe you know and so right now what are we putting out there right what what yeah. energies are we contributing and I, again, don't mean to say that we need to, we should, or it's beneficial to bypass and say, well, then love and light, and it's all good, and it's like, everybody's mm-hmm. loving, you know, like, anger is a vital force, and it is a, re- a vital force that needs to be reclaimed by a lot of people, um, and it's, you know, that's authentic and necessary, but we we don't, I mean, again, this is a Buddhist perspective, but the more that we practice anger and and practice planting seeds of anger through, you know, like our, our karmic seeds in the world, we're going to get a lot more opportunity to practice that. And if we want to do that, mm. that is every person's, we are not here to tell people what to do. It is every person's right, right to do whatever they want, but does that feel like the end goal, right? Is, is that, you know, where we want to be is in a world with more and more anger.
1: Right. And I, I think also that it's like holding people accountable without making um, judgments on what you think that right. they may not be may or may not be doing and if that's enough and if that makes them like a right. good person or a bad person and I think that with like the the kind of social visibility factor of these issues. And we're getting a lot of our information from social media channels. I think that Mm -hmm. I've really had to face judgments in myself where it's like, I see people post and I'm thinking like, well, what are you really doing? So what are you Mm -hmm. actually doing? And then Mm -hmm. it's just like, well, what am I doing? What am Mm -hmm. I actually doing? And I think that when I felt the most, I mean, it comes in waves. Sometimes it's really hard. And sometimes there's days where it's like, okay, I feel like this is manageable in some way right. because whatever, how our moods change, um, I feel like when I'm bogged down the most, it's because I'm so in my judgment of right. what other people are doing or aren't doing and if they're posting, but if they're like actually walking in integrity and it's like I'm making mm-hmm. up all these stories in my head and it's like all this mm-hmm. energy that I'm spending wondering if this person who, you know, is is voting or is, is right. out doing whatever, um, I'm spending all that energy on them instead of saying like, okay, what are some small action steps I could be taking today? And doing that has actually, um, has helped me feel more centered about it. And it's just like, Mm -hmm. okay, I can trust that my small steps contribute to a larger whole and that that can be enough because I think that the hard thing is that it's like you want to do something big and you want to do something that is like totally. visible from space you know what I mean yeah. and it's just like
0: <laughs> maybe
1: that's not you know my part right now and mm-hmm. so don't do nothing because of it I think is a mm-hmm. challenge um, for is, me and, and, and probably millennials not to call us oh. all out but you know
0: well but I mean it's the the life of you know someone raised with social media right it's we we live in that space and it's a wonderful and you know transformative tool in many ways but it also it allows us to live in our stories so much of the time, so much more so than ever before. You know, we, we really weren't that interested in other people a lot of the time, you know, for, <laughs> for the most part of, like, human history. It's like, I don't know, like, you know, I'm going to think about what my family's doing, maybe my next door neighbor, but, like, I don't give a rat's ass about what somebody's doing across the, rest, the other side of the world, right? We were, right. you know, bizarrely contained in our own local kind of scene. And part of that is, is fairly beautiful, you know, because I think there is a, there's a willfulness, a capacity to use one's will well that emerges when, you know, we're here, we're, we're local, we're, you know, we are in the town that we live in. People tend to get far more involved in like their local school and in their local community and stuff when we are thinking not about what everybody else in the world is doing, right? And I mean, this might seem a little bit abstract and tangential, but there's this wonderful woman. She wrote um, Eastern Body, Western Mind. Her name's Anadia yes. Ju- Judith. Have you read it? I
1: love her. Yes, oh, man. I have it. I my love then. that book.
0: It's so good. It's just like, it's like the, I mean, for like total spiritual nerds, I suppose, like you and I, I'm going to put you in that category with me. (laughs) It's like bedtime reading, right? You're like, what am I doing reading about like this right before I go to bed? But it's just beautiful. And I think it's in that book, I can't remember, or in her other book where she talks about Like this idea, and it's, you know, just hypothetical that humankind has been moving through the energy centers, right, up through the chakras. So the root chakra being associated with safety and security and, and, you know, like having food and water and shelter and everything. The second chakra being associated with um, creativity and art and sexuality and procreation. The third chakra associated with our sense of self, our esteem, our drive, our will, our, you know, a capacity to affect change in the world. Um, And on and on up through the the energy centers for the purpose of this conversation, though, you know, to think about like humankind as a species had to go through those first through chakras, right, in our Mm -hmm. evolution. So first we had to, I mean, this is like Abraham Maslow's hierarchy of needs, right? You don't, some people can, but generally until you have food and everything else, you're not thinking about how do I actualize myself, you know, or like how do I come into the highest version of myself? So. You know, she postulates that, like, you know, we went through the, the first chakra and we've created some safety and security on the earth. And and we know that, you know, any community of people, when they have safety and security, they start making art, right? They, they have, you know, maybe an abundance right. of food and then they have time and then they start being creative, right? And then they start being maybe a little more deliberate in, like, moving their will and making things happen in the world. And she says, she believes that this is where we're at right now, you know, is feeling mm-hmm. like... I, we've talked about this and my shamanic teacher talks about this all the time is that like this is about learning how to deal with fire of like what is yours to change? What is, how is your action going to show up in the world? You know, and yes, we feel this kind of undeniable pressure to like do it in a big way. Cause we, we all live, live in this society and that sort of conceptualization of what something meaningful is, is something big. But okay. you know, until we, make peace with the third chakra, the, the liver, you know, the the whole center of our being and, and create a sense of, of self-definition that is defined by us showing up with impeccability, as we talk about in shamanic practice, then humankind can move into the heart. We can move mm-hmm. into that next energy center where we're not trying to impose our will upon other people, right? And you, as you say, saying, like, this is an exhausting place to be where we're trying to say this person should be doing this and this person should be doing this. When we, I mean, we're getting a two-dimensional idea of what this person even is on Instagram. Right. We have no idea what they are doing in their rest of their life. I haven't posted a single thing. And quite honestly, you know, I don't post a lot on Instagram. So maybe I get a, you know, like free pass, but it's like, I have spent the entire week doing things, but I don't I don't post about it. That's my prerogative, you know, and I'm not going to tell somebody else that they should or should not be. But, like, for someone to assess my two-dimensional icon on Instagram and go, oop, this person's not, you know, showing up, that's the misapplication of their will, right? And right. each person we're all tasked with this. If we want to come into the heart, because again, you feel this, like when you're like, okay, my action, how do I center myself? How do I ground myself? How do I go in and write policy? If that is your Dharma, you know, like go, yes, absolutely. Mm-hmm. But it's going to look different for every person. And it, when we're taking care of that, then we just love, we, we really do, you know, like we're not interested in, judging people and telling them how they should be existing. You know, it's, it's really unentertaining. It's pedantic and quite boring, honestly. Right. You know, I think that that
1: kind of walks around something that I think is the real mistrust. And I think it's also the hard part to know within yourself, um, which is like, what is, integrity and and Mm. what is your own integrity like how do you know within yourself like when are you truly showing up and i think because oppressed people have lived in silence for so long that it does feel like hey if anybody's out there shout and let me know so it's like give me some kind of receipt you know what i'm saying um totally but but the tricky part is is that it's like you know how do we define integrity within ourselves? Where it's like today, I can honestly say I did enough because I do think that it's easy to fall on either side of that, which is like uh, beating yourself up because you feel like you could have done more, or beating yourself up because um, you're doing so much you're not even clear. I don't know. Does this make yeah, sense? You're exhausting yourself.
0: No, totally. And I mean, this is this is you know. A, a, quintessential sort of foundational question, you know, in the pursuit of mastery in the shamanic lineages, you know, is to internalize your authority. And as you say, I mean, there has been a deliberate and systemic and perpetuated removal of authority from people of color for uh, forever, like any time that there's been, you know, a colonizing entity around, it's been, you, you are not allowed to decide what your life looks like. I'm going to decide who you right. are and what you're about. And so, yeah, I mean, the reclamation of this willpower is going to look like anger first. Anger is associated with the third chakra, right? And like, that's, sometimes that's, that's necessary. You know, it is absolutely necessary in the process of moving into that space and going, okay, I'm taking this back. Beyond that, though, you know, like the and and whenever a person feels that they are ready to do this and it's going to look different for every person to say, okay, um, the question that we ask in shamanic medicine is, am I doing my best? And this is part of the four agreements. Right. Um, Mm -hmm. And we have to start building a relationship with our intuitive inner voice And she might be so traumatized that it's going to take us a while to convince her to talk to us because we have been taught to shut her up our entire lives, right, depending on the level of trauma and oppression that we've experienced. And so there is, you know, and she's not going to feel safe, right? And a lot of the requests to, as you say, get signaling back from the world to be like, is it safe to bring this part of me forward, you know, this part that is so hurt and so grieving, you know, for what has happened and but we start to build a relationship with her as a person, too, by taking care of ourselves, right, by honoring our bodies and and our spaces. And then she'll start to talk to us. And, and this is the voice of impeccability. She'll go, OK, you know what? You're exhausted. Go lie down. Take care of yourself. And she, she's never fear based. She's never mm-hmm. shaming. She's never judgmental of other people's actions. She is this quiet, calm loving entity who, you know, when you're like, oh, I'll do that later, you know, she's like, no, do it now, you know, and there's no judgment. There's no like, you piece of shit, you got to do this right now. (laughs) It's... It's very much this like, hey, you know, I I often use this example with people and maybe other people can relate to it. But like, you know, you're doing the dishes, you're like cleaning everything up and you see that like scummy part at the back of the sink behind the faucet. And you're like, (laughs) yeah, I'm just going to ignore that. I I, I can't see that right now, you know, even though like your brain, your, your intuitive self, if you start talking to her, will go, just do it. You know, do do that. And she's not shaming you. She's not making you feel bad about not doing it, but she's not going to let you off the hook. Right. And and there's this sense then of like the emerging kindness that comes out of impeccability practice towards ourselves and towards other people, because we realize that people are actually always doing their best even though they might not think because we're so kind of hooked into shame and we like to beat on ourselves and tell ourselves we should have done differently the more we practice this sense of internal kindness and conversing with our intuitive voice the more we'll start to go you know what I've always been doing my best you know and yeah Mm -hmm. it's always getting better and I'm always going to keep calling myself to task but coming we will be able to motivate ourselves through not shaming ourselves through not judging and and belittling ourselves but by actually saying okay come on like move forward do this you know that this is what you need or stop give yourself a break you know like this is you can relax for a moment right but it's right. it's that inner relationship is is required in order to cultivate it. And it's... I mean, my Lakota teacher, you know, he'd just say, start asking yourself the question, am I doing my best... And I think this is a very good question for all of this. I feel like I've been asking myself this a lot. I, I mean, it's part of my regular practice, you know. But as I move through my day to be like, am I being loving? Because this is important to me. Am I being mm-hmm. honest? Am I being forthright? Am I being deeply compassionate for all beings to the best of my ability, right? And and I mean, it feels like an insurmountable pa- task when we are looking at the whole world the whole world is made right. you know very visible to us and there is so much suffering in the world but i we're just built for this you know We're this is what we're here for right is, is right. to to take this on and i i believe in us i really do believe that we are going to figure this out as a species
1: so i, I think that it's like okay if we are committed to doing this internal work and then also a big part of this is moving through this in an interpersonal way. And I think that we are having to all have very difficult conversations outside of the difficult task of like looking, truly looking at ourselves um, is, is that there is this dynamic, like you said, of, of shame and, and mm-hmm. holding people accountable. And I think that we are all... Learning to say no, and we're all learning to receive no um, in new ways. And that can be um, friend to friend, that can be, you know, having difficult conversations with your family members. There's just all mm-hmm. of this, like, no happening. But I think that it's like New York in the background, yet again. <laughs> um, <laughs> Hello, New York. Hello, New York. You're coming back. Um, <laughs> But I think there is this element where it's like, how do we separate someone telling us no from feeling like someone's telling us you're wrong because they're Mm -hmm. not the same thing? But I I mean, I understand why people feel that way because it's scary to tell someone no and it's scary to hear no because no feels like it just reduces you to being a little kid again. That it's like, you're bad. You're bad because you Mm -hmm. did something that I didn't like. And it's like... I don't know. It's like, how do we see this in a healthy way? Because I think that we all have to get really comfortable with making mistakes, and that sucks.
0: Mm -hmm. It doesn't, though. See, I think we need to reframe that it sucks because I don't think (laughs) it sucks. I think it's amazing. You you don't
1: you you like when people point out how you're,
0: you know, you hurt
1: them or or you did something whatever. We don't have
0: to like it to know that it's. Good for us. Right. Mm, Like we don't, I mean, this is like taking like medicine, you know, people come to me and say, I want to get better, but I don't really want it to be uncomfortable. And it's like, (laughs) ah, great. You know, Where, how, again, we we can go back to our first episode, right? Like I'll just whip out my magic wand here for you and somehow erase things, right? Like, But the fact that we even recognize this as a task is to learn to be uncomfortable and to know that this path of discomfort is actually the one that we need to be mindfully and consciously and compassionately traveling down. You know, that is deeply exciting to me that like we as a species have evolved to that point to actually go, all right, you know what, we're not pretending that this isn't here anymore. We're going to go towards it, right? And I mean, I maybe I'm mildly masochistic, I don't know, or I'm just used to being a coyote and having people be like, you're such a dick. Why are you such a dick, you know? And like, I've heard that a lot in my life. I, I said to a friend who is like, the nicest person ever, you know, and, and I was telling her something that somebody had said to me and she was like, Oh my God, like, how did you stand that? And I was like, I don't know. It wasn't as bad as this other time that this other person told me this, you know, and it was like, maybe I'm totally desensitized to stuff, but Mm -hmm. I do. I, I mean, the, the rawness that um comes when we when we sit in those uncomfortable feelings is the place of transformation it is the place of of you know healing i mean it's again you know this is why they say 2% of humankind will ever actually really really heal is because we think that it's going to feel better and on, and at first it doesn't right we in the shamanic right. sense we we walk into the darkness we go into the dissolving of the self this is not something that we go into willingly this is you know, it's uh, people use the metaphor of, like, caterpillars transforming into cat, uh, butterflies all the time to suggest, you know, like, what transformations like. And and first, you know, the enzymes of your body as a caterpillar, or the, the cells of your body, excuse me, release these enzymes that dissolve your entire being. And, like, whether this is, like, urban myth or not, I still love it. And I find that I want to perpetuate it because it's hilarious and <laughs> bizarre. Is that, like, apparently, like, the caterpillars are, like, screaming. They're like, ah! Like fuck, I don't wanna do this. Like, (laughs) don't make me do this, because it hurts. Your whole body's dissolving, right? And it doesn't know it's turning into a a butterfly. It has no idea that something magnificent is happening. It just knows that it is painful. But there's this call. The caterpillar's like, I don't know why I'm doing this. I don't know why I'm building this thing around my body. I you know, everything about this is bad, but like I have to go there. And and maybe, you know, I I think that you as a practitioner, me as a practitioner, Allison. I'm sure you've had your own I know you've had your own experiences of like the the traumas we all live through as human beings and the loss and the the dissolving of the self and then going whoa there's this new thing emerging right and mm. and we can practice actually holding that container for the whole system and I think this is maybe a, a part of our job you know is to say this is good you know these uncomfortable things we don't have to try to make them comfortable we we can actually Uh, believe that at some point people will move towards that which is really awkward because they know on the other side there is wholeness and connection and meaning mm. and, like, th- all the big things, all the things we want, you know, self-fulfillment self, self fulfillment comes through moving towards these places of great discomfort, you know. And But we have to practice that. It's like a muscle, you know. You don't know at first that, like, it's going to be good on the other side. First it just feels right. like disillusion, you know, and, like, dissolving and, and goo. Right. It's not good. Uh. But I do think that people are learning – that, you know, of of saying, I'm going to feel into this. And, and that, you know, is something I think we can all do. Again, this is why I think Tonglen is so magical as a practice, is for these times, for all times, is that the human mind, the the ego mind, operates from the place of clinging or aversion right we're either clinging to experiences that we want or being aversive of experiences we don't want right and and we don't want suffering nobody wants to suffer and yet we all suffer and the task at hand as a species right now and has been for a very long time and who knows you know i met this my first shamanic experience was with this guy uh, I was, uh, was from Oaxaca and he said, you know, I was telling him how anxious I was about, you know, the world and everything happening and he was like, don't worry about it. You know, we've done this 77,000 times and every time we fucked it up so bad we had to start over all at the beginning and I was like, oh my god, I don't I don't know how to take that, <laughs> you know, like but it basically it was like this is what consciousness is trying to do. It's trying to, you know, move into this next energetic center. It's trying to amplify its its alignment and and entropy. It's complexity. Complexity in the universe, you know, and and so it actually did take a little bit of the pressure off to go. Okay, he said, I think we're going to get it this time, you know. I was like the seventy seventh and mm-hmm. first time we're going to get it, you know, sweet. Yeah. But we we're trying to do something very, very, very difficult as a species, which is to widen our circle of compassion, to encounter and enclose everything as ourselves. You know, and there's so much division in the world, but for those of us who can feel the the willingness to move towards suffering rather than being aversive of it you know rather than going I'm going to close my eyes and pretend this isn't happening you know we this is spiritual warriorship this is our call and we have a responsibility to do that in whatever form it shows up for us right and again some people are going to be politicians some people are going to be meditating in caves you know we're not going to know what they're doing but this is our task you know and and We are built for this. We are made for this task. The Knowing is an IntelliKey production and was recorded and produced on the traditional unceded territory of the Northern Suquemek people. music, editing, and production by Brent Morton at Belltower Audio. May our hearts and minds remain open. May we meet this day with equanimity and compassion. And may we remember our belonging to this earth, to each other, and to all that is.